0: Ruth and I have always had good neighbors, just been blessed with good neighbors, but not everybody has that experience. And I was reading this week about one Canadian woman who has been ordered to pay her neighbor $11,000 for subjecting her to 43 harassing acts over three years, including lobbing dead birds onto her property. This is an extraordinary tale of neighborly misconduct, Justice John Shepherd said in a judgment released. Anne Rudka engaged in, quote, unbelievable and outrageous campaign against her neighbor for three long years. The incidents include keying her car, leaving a letter addressed to, quote, the witch with the attitude, throwing eggs onto her neighbor's property, leaving letters commenting on her clothing, playing numerous hang-up calls, nailing a note on the property stating they neglect their dogs, pouring acid on her neighbor's husband's car, trying to set fire to their fence and spray-painting it gold, spraying their dog with mineral spirits, threatening to contact the IRS, and using a dog whistle to harass their pets. That's a really bad neighbor. Aren't you feeling better about your neighborhood already? I am. Yikes. Neighborly misconduct. And you know what? That is so bad, you just want to move. And if it's that, you just want to move, right? But most people really don't want to move. They just want things to get better. They want things to change. I think a lot of us can relate. There's situations in our life, we, we want things to change, we want them to get better. That's what we actually want. And I think all, almost all of us can relate to that at one degree or in way or another. Uh, not everything in our lives is wonderful. There are some things we would really like to change. We'd love to see our situation improve. And this, for a lot of us, it could mean a lot of different things. And I hope today you'll be able to apply it to the situation that you're in that may not be the best. All right? So for example, a neighborhood situation, or a school, or your own personal situation, a relationship, a friendship, workplace issue. Um, maybe on a much wider scale, you look around and you see our community, and you say, wow, things really need to change. And after the last year or so, we're like, we would love to see change in our culture, in our community. Um, we would love to see change in our world. and. I just wanna ask you this question, would you like to see things change? And if the answer to that is yes, which I think it is for everybody, then I hope that you'll take a listen to an incredibly powerful uh, passage in the book of Acts, which is a record of the early church. And you're gonna capture, I hope, a vision for how God can change things and situations and entire communities actually in a profound way. We need to regain, Restate, refresh our confidence in the good news of Jesus, the, the faith that we believe, to actually create change. We need to challenge, be challenged, to be invigorated, to be recommit ourselves and gain confidence and get charged up that Jesus Christ really is a life changer and a world changer. How would that happen, you ask? How might I be changed? How could our churches, our communities, our culture, our world be changed? Well, I want you to come with me and visit a church in the ancient world, in the book of Acts, chapter 11. And this church is the church at Antioch. This ancient city of Antioch is a place where Jesus Christ turned that city upside down. He changed everything. He changed thousands of people's lives, and he brought awakening, spiritual awakening to a community. And I hope that even now you'll begin praying for that in your own life and in the life of our church and community, that God would bring change, spiritual change, lasting change, a true awakening of his grace. Would you like things to change? Well, let me give you four principles from this passage. This passage is so good, we're going to actually take a few weeks to look at it together. But I want to give you this passage. It's Acts chapter 11. Turn to that right there now if you can. And I want to give you four, four principles. The first principle, if you'd like things to change, is you boldly build bridges. So if you'd like things to change, you begin to build bridges to things you'd like to see changed, to people you would like to see changed. It says in Acts chapter 11, now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen, remember that was way back in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen was martyred, the first Christian martyr. The impact of his martyrdom was still going on by this point in in chapter 11. People are still relocating, running for their lives away from the persecution. And it says, uh, those who scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They got all the way to Antioch, which guys is 300 miles away from Jerusalem. I mean, in the ancient world, 300 miles away is like forever, all right? And it says that they were speaking the word. They were telling the message of Jesus. And then it says, to no one except Jews. So for now, anyway, they're reaching out to their fellow Jewish neighbors, all right? So they're beginning to befriend their new neighbors in a far-off place they've never been to. They're basically immigrants. And this persecution, far from making them go silent, and I mean, they wanted things to change too, but it didn't quiet them. Instead, the persecution emboldened them. They they were energized in their faith to say, Jesus is a life changer. He changed our lives. He can change yours. And so they began to share this good news with their new Jewish neighbor friends. And they just didn't let that stop them. There was a lot of people who hated them. But like Taylor Swift, the haters going to hate, 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 hate. I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. Shake it off, right? That's what they did. They just shook it off and kept going. They befriended new people. They built bridges. They boldly built bridges to people. Thousands of these early Christ followers were scattered around building bridges in all sorts of places, including Antioch. And they built bridges of friendship and the good news of Jesus in these very early days of the Jesus movement. Because after all, it's only been a year or two since Jesus has been raised from the dead. And they're on a roll. These people just felt they had to get the word out. Even persecution could not stop them from building bridges to people. They just had so much joy in their own lives because of Jesus, they wanted others to experience it. And so they took these bold, daring steps in in their words, the things that they were talking about, their conversations with people. So they befriended people that they never met, and they began to build bridges toward them. Now in verse 20 it says, But there were some of them, the radicals, the renegades, the outliers men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also. So instead of just staying in the holy huddle of their Jewish friends and neighbors, they began to build bridges to the real outsiders, to the Greeks also. And this was radical, guys. I mean, these are not just God-fearers, like we saw in the life of Cornelius. Remember him? He was a God-fearing Gentile. But these were just not God-fearing Gentiles. They're just ordinary pagan Gentiles, like the pagan worshipers that believed in all sorts of negative, nasty things. And they were talking to them. They built bridges of friendship to them. And then they began, it says, began speaking to the Greeks also. So they just started talking to them. Imagine that. Believers in Jesus talking to people who are far from God. That's what they did, they made friends. If you wanna see change in our community, in our world, in your workplace, and you're like, something's got to change. Here's where you begin. You just start befriending people and having conversations. Start talking to them. It's not that crazy, is it? All right? Begin speaking to the Greeks also. People that are maybe even outside your comfort zone. Treat them with kindness and respect, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. Eventually, these conversations rolled around to faith matters, and they had these spiritual conversations, and they just started telling people about their love for Jesus Christ. These early passionate, never-say-die-Christ followers built more bridges. And this is a huge turning point. Because up to this point, it's been like Jewish people and really God-fearing Gentiles. But now it's just plain old outright pagans. People that are way far from God. They went to Antioch. Now you can go there today in Antioch and you can visit. This is actually a church that was eventually built because of the message these early believers uh, brought. This This church goes back to like the 300s AD. I mean, this is a really old church. Church of St. Peter. And you can go there to modern Antioch, and and there it is, this beautiful, huge city. And and there the gospel took hold. Antioch was a big city. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. So size-wise, it's like Chicago in the United States. It was 20 times the size of Jerusalem. This is a big city. You talk about a bridge project. Gentiles, really out there people. And they built a bridge. And God honored their love and friendship and kindness to their new neighbors. The compassion and their enthusiastic befriending and sharing of their faith in Jesus. He he honored that. And they overcame their natural inhibitions. I mean, they were immigrants. They were new here. And these were people really strange and had a lot of crazy ideas. But their enthusiasm spilled out over the natural boundaries and obstacles that they'd experienced before. And they just befriended a bunch of people that you'd never think they would have befriended. Yes, in the book of Acts we see it first the the good news goes to the Jews and then to the Samaritans and then to the God-fearers and now just to plain old pagans. And the good news to the people in Antioch, 300 miles north of Jerusalem on the Orontes River. Antioch was radically different from Jerusalem. The manners, the clothing, the hairstyles, the customs, the foods, the traditions, the rituals, the worship gatherings, the values were so different, in many ways disgusting to a lot of the Jewish believers. It was decadent, it was pagan, it was polytheistic, it was immoral, it was violent, and there were lots and lots of social problems. They wanted their community to change. But instead of shaking their angry fing- uh, finger at them, they befriended them. This Antioch was well known as a Center for Trade, Culture, and Pleasure Seeking. It was a huge cosmopolitan city. Culturally, it's like new- Culturally, it was like New York, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Hollywood, all wrapped into one. Maybe throw in a little Santa Fe, New Mexico, New Agey stuff. The temple of Daphne stood outside the city, the so-called goddess of love and pleasure, and Apollo's famous and scandalous pursuit of Daphne was reenacted every year to huge crowds. And immoral? Folks, this was a moral pigsty. One Roman writer complained that Antioch had corrupted the people of the empire, Rome, that was on the Tiber River. The saying was, the sewage of the Orontes has polluted the Tiber. Wow. Antioch was so bad, it made Rome bad. But the believers were befriending their new neighbors and proclaiming the good news out in the streets, in the market, in their jobs, in their block parties, their cookouts, their little neighborhood gatherings, at the ball games, the kids' events. Just started befriending them. If we want things to change, this is this is the, the method. This is it. This is the way we do it. We boldly build bridges to people who are really far from God and see what God does. They presented Jesus with no extra hoops. They didn't, they told them the good news of Jesus. They didn't try to convince them all of their old Jerusalem cultural values and their morality first, perhaps. I mean, in a lot of ways in Des Moines, I mean, today, what, 90 languages spoken in the West Des Moines school district. We had a Christmas uh, gathering here a year and a half ago, and we saw 42 nations represented. I mean, it's really a a melting pot of all sorts of people. And we have to learn now uh, with all those different nationalities and just with people whose values are so different than ours. And we can just shake our heads and say, what's the world coming to? Or we can say, you know what? I want things to change. I want to do something about it. I'm going to start befriending people, boldly build bridges to them. Our tendency is to exclude and distance ourselves. But Jesus just went right after people, and so did these early believers. God enabled them to make an astonishing impact on their community. Look at what it says in verse 21 The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. You got these far from God people who said, You know what? These people are kind, they're loving, they're respectful. They befriended us. We don't know who they are, but they seem to be joyful and happy and loving. And we want what they have. The Lord's hand. It's always the Lord's hand that does it. And we pray for awakening. We pray for God to touch people's hearts. A large number. We're not into numbers, so to speak. It's not a numbers game. But it's not something we're trying to keep from people either. I mean, we'd like as many people to get this as possibly could. And they trusted and they turned. Both of those are necessary. They trusted in Jesus who died for their sins, who rose from the grave, and they turned from their past. They were willing to leave behind their pagan gods and forge a new path walking with Jesus. Their hearts had really been changed. And so you get this incredibly improbable harvest of souls and of people in Antioch, of all places, if you'd pick, where's gonna see this incredible awakening? Antioch, you would not have ever picked. But God knows what he's doing. And I would love to see that happen in our community. But it's gonna happen when, like the early Christians, we boldly build bridges to people who are far from God. The gospel is blowing up here in Antioch now. And it's not just Jewish folks. It's embracing the Messiah Jesus. It's the Gentiles too. And is remarkable and unexpected. Somehow God is building a bridge to the pagan world. Totally bizarre. It's way out there. In, in, in modern day terms, it would be like thousands of Hindus in Delhi, India, suddenly coming to faith in Jesus. Or it would be like thousands of Muslims in Mecca abandoning Muhammad and trusting in Jesus as Lord. By the way, that's happening. Did you know, I heard somebody share recently, there have been more Muslims who have come to faith in Jesus in the last 14 years than in the previous 1,400 years. Wow. And that's because believers are building boldly bridges to others. Wow. Wow. The beliefs in Antioch were cray-cray, guys. I mean, they were off their rocker and a lot of stuff, but didn't keep believers, Christians, from loving them. It wasn't business as usual as a brand new bridge because when Jesus Christ shows up and when his love opens their, when his his people open their mouths, great stuff happening. Great stuff was happening in Antioch. It was great days. It was love you Antioch days, it was. And people were coming to faith in Jesus. Some of you are saying, I don't know how to do that. That's okay. Just take a simple first step. Sit out in your front yard when the weather's nice. Talk to people when they come by. Jump in and volunteer at, uh, at the Lovey Des Moines days. Begin to just you know, host a mini block party. There's simple ways. Befriend somebody at work. Start building a bridge. If we want change, we have to be the change we want. And if we do things just like we've been doing, nothing will ever happen that's good. But if we could take some risks and build those bridges, some amazing stuff could happen. And folks, it is simply not okay for our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our fellow students not to ever experience the love and goodness of Jesus through his people. It's just not okay. It was unthinkable to early Christians in Antioch to keep the good news to themselves or just keep it among their Jewish brothers and sisters. They built a bridge to hundreds of thousands of people, and they had their moment. They had their moment. Would you like things to change? How do you view the people around you? Your coworker who drives you nuts, your neighbor who just seems strange, the family member that you sometimes want to kill. I had a friend who said he tried to view everybody he ever met as God's unfinished masterpieces, made in the image and likeness of God, their unfinished masterpieces. That is a big change of perspective to a lot of the people that we look at that are really different than maybe our values. What if God could bring them to himself and he could finish the work of transformation, he could finish those masterpieces. What would they look like? What could they look like? And what if we build a bridge to them? So if you'd like things to change, first thing is to boldly build bridges that can help people begin to connect with followers of Jesus. And hopefully they can help them to connect to God and have them transform from the inside out. Second, if you'd like to see some change, joyfully encourage everybody. Be an encourager, okay? Verse 22. News about them, all this crazy stuff that's going down in Antioch, reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas. Good old Barney. we got to get Barney down there to travel as far as Antioch. So the leaders in Jerusalem are so astounded at what's happening that they build another bridge. This time the bridge is a guy called Barnabas. And Barnabas, you remember, his real name is Joseph, but he got a nickname from the apostles, Barnabas, son of encouragement. And he makes this 300-mile trek to Antioch. Verse 23, and when he arrived, Barnabas saw the grace of God. He saw, wow, God's doing something here. And he was glad. He's a happy guy. And he was really happy about this. And he encouraged, because he's an encourager, all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. So you see somebody take a baby step in their faith, you see somebody start to get it. You see somebody even have an interest, a spiritual interest. You start encouraging them. It makes you happy to see that. You start encouraging and And as a church, we so need to encourage one another. Church, it is so easy to get sideways with each other. It is so easy to to... You know, major on the minors instead. We major on the majors. We don't focus on what we disagree about, we focus on what we agree about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We major on the majors and we encourage each other. I don't know about you, but there are a whole lot of believers you know who need encouragement. And what we just need to encourage each other is just what Barnabas is saying stay true to the Lord. You hang in there. You keep going strong. It's hard in this culture. It drives you nuts sometimes. But you just keep going strong. And especially if you came out of that pagan culture, it's really hard because you got a lot of bad habits. You got a lot of values that need to be reordered. You got a mindset that sometimes goes into the gutter. God can help you. We need people to encourage each other when we stumble and fall, and when we stub our toes spiritually, relationally, emotionally, whatever. Let's be encouragers to each other. If we want change, we got to encourage each other more. He 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 told them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Our goal is to be devoted to God with all of our hearts. See, God's not a consultant God. I love what Larry Osborne, my, uh, my friend, a pastor in California, and also a wonderful author, he wrote, the sad truth is that when it comes to God, we can do the exact same thing so that some hard-headed, you know, counselees do, but with one major difference. When God gives advice or guidance, it's not coming from a potentially fallible source. It's not the mere advice of a pastor or friend. It's the counsel of God. And when God speaks, it doesn't make much sense to push back or give him 10 reasons why it won't work. That's an argument we can't win. But who hasn't done this, he writes. We've all had times when we knew exactly what God wanted us to do, but we still decided that in our particular case, our own wisdom was better than his. And every time that happens, our relationship with God goes through a fundamental role reversal. He stops being our God and becomes our cosmic consultant, Now, a consultant is someone whose wisdom we highly value and listen to. But at the end of the day, we make the final decision. That's why they're called consultants. Here's the problem. God doesn't do consulting at all. Never has, never will. He does God. And when we treat him as a consultant, he simply stops showing up to the meetings. We may think he's there, but he's not. So we need to hang in there with him and remain true to the Lord with all of our hearts. And we need to encourage each other. And when we stumble, we need to pick each other up and keep going strong. Why did he do this? We, t- we learn in verse 24 why. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a large numbers of people were added to the Lord. So this thing kept growing. Why? Because there was an encouraging guy there who says, add a boy, add a atta girl, way to go could you do this this week? Could you say, I'm going to go out of my way to encourage some of my Christian brothers and sisters. I'm going to drop them an email. I'm going to drop them a note. I'm going to send them a text. You can do that before you finish with this message and say, keep going strong. I'm praying for you. And just encourage them to hang in there. And maybe they've stumbled. That's okay. Be there for them. That's what Barnabas was doing. And guess what? When you are in a kind of environment like that where there's encouragement all around you, even though we're not perfect, because guys, we know we're all a mess sometimes. But you got a Barney there, Barnabas. He says, you can do it. God will help you. Things grow in that atmosphere of encouragement. And that's why here we read, large numbers were added to the Lord. When you got an environment like that where people are cheering each other on, people want to be a part of that. You want things to change? Then become a world-class encourager. If, 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 if that becomes the reality among the believers of Valley Church and in many other places, it will transform this community if we become incredible encouragers. Okay, keep going. Would you like to see things change? Then deeply learn the word. Here's what it says. Large numbers of people were added to the Lord. So now we got a problem. we got a bunch of brand new believers. They don't know anything about the Bible. These, remember, these people are not the God-fearers. They're not Jewish folks steeped in Old Testament. They know no Testament. They're not Old Testament. They're not New Testament. They're just no Testament. All right? And they're like, they got to learn it all from scratch. And so what'd they do about that? Verse 25. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. If you got tons of people who are brand new Christians, you don't mess around. Barnabas goes grabs old Saul, and Saul knows the word. He's gonna come and help. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. Can you imagine having Barnabas and Saul as your teachers? They're leading your Bible studies. That what an amazing year that must have been. The growth. Growth was more than Barnabas could handle. So he brings in the big gun, Saul, and Saul helps them out. And they filled their minds with the truth of Jesus Christ. It says they taught large numbers for a whole year. Two gifted teachers pour out their lives and the truth of Christ into them. And these new believers at Antioch with zero background in the things of the faith, uh, they soak it all in. They take it all up. And they, they're coming straight out of their pagan temples. Straight out of all sorts of goofy, immoral, crazy, messed up, dirty stuff. And Saul and Barnabas, they're not too good for that. They roll up their sleeves and says, okay, let's start somewhere. And it was messy. And it was complicated. And there were probably some failures. And there were some successes. And there were some problems. But they just kept going strong. This is how... You see things change when you deeply learn the word. And if I could encourage all of us, and not to step on any toes, but I'm gonna step on some toes. If I could give you one word of encouragement, get off the internet, get off your favorite news cycle, get off social media long enough to spend a good chunk of time in the word of God. I know of a church, and we may do this someday at Valley, where they just, they, t- they call it a week of silence. And they just unplug from all that other stuff for just a week. And they use the time they would have spent and just dive in the word. They pray, they, they seek, they read the word more. And what happens is the word of God is actually quite Powerful and the word of god begins to transform and encourage and comfort and reorder and reprioritize stuff and gives us power and guidance and suddenly things start to change in our hearts first and then the people around us and our families so let's do it what do you say let's deeply learn the word all right it is hard work it's it's not easy When they say it's easy, don't believe them. It's kind of like this weight loss thing I saw. In only one month, you can do it too. Go from this to this. One month. How? Photoshop courses. The best tool to change your body. Yeah, that's how it's going to happen. You Photoshop it, but that doesn't count. That's not real. All right. These, it's like freshman orientation in the the University of Jesus. And they don't know what they're doing. They're making all sorts of mistakes, but they're, they're getting oriented all this, this stuff. They're building this bridge, and they're deeply learning the word. And these freshers to the faith got with it. They were all in. They'd crossed the bridge to Christ, and they weren't looking back. And you know what happened, guys? Here's the most amazing thing. That pagan city at Antioch became a center for world Christianity. It became a center place, one of the top places where the gospel took hold. And for centuries, it became a world center for the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. In that incredible, cosmopolitan, crazy city, it was transformed. Can we do that? If we dive into the word of God, if we say this is important to me, if we say this is, this is meaningful to me and I'm going to spend time in it and I'm going to share it with my families and I'm going to make this a priority, this, this worship together, uh, w- w- this word together time, we're going to make that a priority. God could transform us. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, it would be. Their new lives were all about Christ. It was Christ, Christ, Christ. They were all jazzed up, pumped up about Christ, big time. So much so, so that their non-believing neighbors they used to hang out with and they still do and they can't figure out in Antioch what's happened to them. It's just Christ, Christ, Christ all the time. They gave them a nickname. They called them Christers, Christ ones, Christians. Verse 26, the disciples were first called Christians At Antioch. That's not a name they gave themselves. That's a name their neighbors give them. Because they were all about Christ. It may have not even been a a nice nickname. It may have been kind of like, these people are Jesus freaks. They're Christer's, Christer's, Christer's. They're all about Christ. But eventually the Christians just said, okay, yeah, we are. And they joyfully took the nickname on and said, okay, we're Christians. That's what we are. Followers of Jesus. Jesus ones. Christians. That's what we are. Christ in their words, Christ in their hearts, Christ in their minds. So deeply learn the word, and you'll see change. You'll see transformation. Deeply learn the word, even as a believer, even if you don't touch anybody else's life, you yourself will be transformed. Your family will be transformed. Your relationships will be transformed. Okay, last one. Would you like things to change? Generously help others. We come to this. Verse 27. In those days, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. There's going to be like this global problem. Does that sound familiar? This took place during the reign of Claudius. So terrible times are coming. They, they had heard somebody was given this ability to see the future. And by the way, this prophecy did come true, and it's confirmed by historical records of Romans and secular historians outside the Bible. So what do they do about these radical Christian people just walking with Jesus? Look at verse 29. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, with this impending famine coming across the whole Roman world, each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to begin stockpiling large quantities of dehydrated food, store massive collections of purified water in their basements, By generators, by the hundreds, and moved to the hill country, away from the sure-to-come looting and pillaging. Huh. Nope. Each of the disciples, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. They were compassionate. Where did they learn this compassion? We saw this a few passages ago in the book of Acts, what Jesus did. Peter was explaining what Jesus did. He said, you know what Jesus did first in his ministry? Here, look. It says in in Acts, uh, Jesus went everywhere doing good for people. Jesus went everywhere doing good for people. So what they did, they saw others' needs and they saw, you know, some people are going to be hurting worse than even we are here in Antioch. So they, they, they saw some needs over in Judea and they said, let's help them out. And they did. They organized a relief effort for their sake. And wasn't that nice? No, guys, it wasn't nice. It was revolutionary. For this is like the, the they were first called Christians there in Antioch and they set a pattern of generosity and compassion for the church, which exists to this day. For there weren't organized relief efforts like this that just spontaneously, voluntarily came in the past, including up to the Middle Ages. Uh, This hadn't happened except when Christians started to do it. This wasn't something that pagans did Instead, it was something that believers in Jesus did. They originated this sort of voluntary relief, help, compassion efforts. And today, that legacy goes on in all sorts of organizations that we know about, like Compassion International, World Vision, World Relief, Salvation Army. On and on it goes. Like things at Valley, like our Quinenia Fund, our K Fund. Like our, all of our efforts to love our city. We call it Levy Des Moines, where we touch thousands of people through your generosity, through your volunteering. We'll do this again and love you Des Moines days. That's why I beg you to get signed up for that. We do it through this incredible thing we call um, Valley Disaster Relief. I mean, that's what we do locally, Valley Disaster Relief. I think they had 300, 400 projects in the last 12 months. Amazing, all time record. We do all sorts of stuff like that at Valley Church, reaching out to those in need, touching lives, We'll talk more about that next weekend. But I just wanted to whet your appetite for it today. How do you do, how do you make change? You generously help others. You discover the joy of meeting other people's needs and generosity opens doors into people's hearts. You do that through your own giving. When you give first fruits, of your income to the Lord's work here at Valley Church. That is invested. And you guys know the impact. You hear the the incredible impact that we have, the projects that we do, the community center, the ways that we reach out, the incredible generosity to people in need in our community. We'll share more about that next weekend, but you know that happens. And Love You Des Moines and Love You Des Moines Days and our Koinonia Fund or our K fund and, and, and also our global efforts in Valley Global. We touch so many international ministries through your generosity. So way to go, Valley Church. And if you want to see things change, keep that going. And if that's not a part of your, of your life right now, then let's say this coming month, year, we're going to step it up because we want to see things change. And when we invest in the good news of Jesus Christ, things change. And that's the first place they got nicknames in a place called Antioch, the nickname of Christian Okay, so would you like to see things change? Would you like things to change? I'm gonna give you four action steps. Number one, boldly build bridges to your neighbors, your coworkers, your community members, especially those who are far from God. Second, joyfully encourage everybody. Let's be world-class encouragers of each other, even if we differ on some minor stuff. Thirdly, deeply learn the word. Dive into the word of God and let it transform you from the inside out. And fourthly, generously help others. These are just world-changing principles, guys. Way back when, 2,000 years ago, in a big city, really immoral, pagan city called Antioch, a handful of followers of Jesus made a huge difference, and they became thousands of them. And they got a nickname, Christian. Christian. Christer, the nickname meant something. It meant they were all about Jesus. That's what they were known for. More than anything else, they were followers of Jesus Christ. It is my prayer. It is my hope that that would be real in our church and in your personal life. That you would be so much about Christ, 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 Christ. And not in a weird way. But in a wholesome, good, loving, amazing way. That people will say, Well, there's a Christer. There's a Christian. I close with this prayer. Join with me. Christ be with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit, Christ where I arise. May it always be Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me, Christ in every eye that sees me, and Christ in every ear that hears me. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Okay, go get 'em, Valley. God bless you.